What is up, everyone? Welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Epiphany and Happy uh, New... Baptism of the Lord? Baptism of the Lord. Yep, Baptism of the Lord. Uh, Forget that. Well, you know, (laughs) honestly, where my brain started to go is like, happy 2022. Like, finally, all the crap is over. And But I'm just so terrified of saying that. (laughs) Because we thought the same thing last year. (laughs) But it's all good. God is good. And, you know. Still in control. He's still in control. God is in control. (laughs) Remember that one? That old little chestnut? I don't know. It's from the 80s, I think. think, Did you just make that up? No. (laughs) an 80s christian song i swear i forget the name of the uh the singer but um anyways so here we are (laughs) i am your host nick delatore uh and i'm with father eric shield and we went to the holy land we're going to be talking about that experience today we survived the holy land together we did and the whole experience of traveling in the global pandemic yes changing travel restrictions while we were traveling it was berserk but you want to talk about god being in control he was and that yeah, yeah. We'll get to talk about we'll that. get That's into amazing. all of that right after this ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the awakened catholic show this is actually episode number 50 Wow. And you, thank you, you were on episode number one. You were my guest for episode number no one. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, is there like a door prize for this? <laughs> do I, do I? Oh, you're welcome. Does that come with a gift receipt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, congratulations, honestly, though. That's awesome. Thank you. And yeah. Quite the accomplishment. I appreciate that. It's It's been uh, it's pretty interesting because so many of our other shows have reached like way higher milestones, but because of all the different work that I do with Awaken, like I don't record as many of these episodes as the other shows happen. Um, but that's super exciting. And literally it was not planned or intentional that you, our guest wow. for the first episode, would also be here for the 50th. And I didn't know that that was going on. I didn't even know today this was the 50th one until Ethan told me before we started recording today. So yeah, super cool. How should God we schedule up. for the 100th episode? Absolutely. We probably should do that before Absolutely. We yes. Um, so, man, this is a really exciting time, guys. We are going to be, this is our first of two episodes uh, talking about the Holy Land. The next one is going to be with some of the pilgrims that went with us. Um, and this episode is brought to you by the organization that we partnered with to go on this trip, Select International Tours. Uh, It's a really amazing organization. And when they reached out to us initially to partner on by sponsoring our content and then by launching pilgrimages together, um, you know, everything that I heard about them from different uh, other like hosts of pilgrimages, other people that work with them was that they were incredible. And that has been precisely my experience working with them. There's no better group that you could choose to go on pilgrimage with than Select International Tours. Visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken uh, to learn more about those opportunities. Thank you, Select, for sponsoring this episode. Additionally, um, all of what we do here for this show is made possible by people like you who have joined the community of saints with a lowercase s because we're still working on it uh so to learn more about that patron community for this show and to get exclusive benefits uh visit the awakened catholic show.com and uh you know that's awesome if you do that because it makes all this possible and you get some some pretty cool benefits so father eric shield 
There are a few things in the world that compare to being in a room with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or behind microphones uh, yeah. with you, or in front of cameras with you, um, man. You're, you're a, you know, you you just started. Uh, well, not just started. Probably over a year now at the parish. Saint over Joe's. two. Over t- what? Yeah, going on. Yeah, going on. Well, it's now two and a half. Going on three at St. Joe's, mommy. That's crazy. I know, oh, it's absolutely nuts. We always say how f- fast time flies. Yeah, it actually does. Yeah, I mean, it really does. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even when we started talking about this pilgrimage, it's like we got plenty of time. Know. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh. And then all of a sudden, it's like oh, we're boarding a plane. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, it really was oh, like that. in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, uh, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. If this is middle or hopefully end or whatever, oh, but yeah, we'll you know, it's awesome. Yeah, and and you you've been doing some. I've always known you to be someone that was very forward thinking and very like let's not settle for what's comfortable or what's been done. Let's just do what has to be done for the mission for the gospel. And I'd really admire that about um, your leadership, your priesthood. And I think that you know I know I know some of the people that you work with that are on your team, and I know a bunch of your parishioners, and everyone's just doing backflips. Everyone's just super excited about the direction you're taking things. So thank you. Well, the, you know, the mission of Jesus Christ is exciting. It is. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, in the, in the Catholic Church and maybe other churches are guilty of this, too. It's kind of like, oh, um, we got to do this, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to do this Jesus thing, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like, no, it's exciting. You know, I mean, yeah. even what you're doing now, this is crazy that you've done this. Thank this you. This Awakening Catholic. It's crazy. And yet you wouldn't change it because it's so awesome. And and following Christ in these radical ways, uh, our society kind of looks at and says, eh, well, do you really want, there's easier ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when we're, when we're really fully on fire uh, for discipleship, intentional discipleship, following the Lord, loving him, allowing him to love us. Yeah. It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's true. It can be frightening at mm-hmm. times. Can, can We can feel like we're out in the boat, you know, and it's it's uh, rocking back and forth and the storm's happening like the Sea of Galilee mm-hmm. where we just were. And yet we also know that Christ is in the boat with us, uh, walks across the water to get to us. Yes. Uh, and and is in control of it all. Amen to that. And, and we actually, I just had one of those boat moments last night where Jesus like just kind of calmed a storm of anxiety I was having. Um, and it's kind of, you know, run, running an organization like Awaken and, and we just hired two new people and there's a bunch of moving parts all the time. Um, and it can kind of feel like, is this all worth it? Like, is this, are we doing the right moves? Are, are we making the right moves? And are we getting the results that we need to be getting? Um, you know, cause we're, we're imperfect human beings. We're numbers driven. And like, are we reaching people? And last night, um, I was putting, uh, analytics together for the different shows that we run and stuff. And I always kind of see them isolated the numbers, whether it's like on YouTube or on Facebook or on this thing or that thing. But I was aggregating all of our numbers last night, um, for uh, a sales page for like future sponsors for episodes. And the numbers that I discovered last night blew me away. So this show, The Awakened Catholic Show, gets 5.1 thousand and more monthly streams. Um, And then all of our shows are in that ballpark, three to 5,000 monthly streams. One of our shows, the newest show, The Prodigal Life, featuring Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, myself, and uh, Ellen Holmes, Steve LeBlanc, uh, that show has only been around one month and has in that one month 102,000, more than 102,000 streams. And so like, it was just like, okay, I'm just going to trust that we're, we got to keep plowing forward even through the challenges, you know? Um, So yeah, just super exciting. And and when you brought up what you did, it just made me think of that. I also think too, to not be afraid 
of failure. I think sometimes mm-hmm. like, well, I don't know if we should do that because, you know, it's, it's I mean, you know, I, I want to play it safe. And when did Jesus play it safe? No. Yeah, it's not his deal. He didn't do it. Yeah. You know, and I think for us too to not be afraid of failure, to trust that if it does fail, the Holy Spirit's going to use that failure to get us to where we need to be. Amen right? to that. You know, but we don't want to fail. So we don't want to, you know, and so because we don't like that feeling. And so we don't. And then ultimately, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to truly work. And I think that that's maybe what we're lacking a bit in church world these days mm-hmm. is that simple, like, Holy Spirit-driven leadership mm. to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to get us. But but to not place the trust in ourselves, to place the trust in the Holy Spirit, that's been kind of a revolutionary thing for me because I know in the first part of my priesthood, I did not do that. It was like, no, 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 mm-hmm. I need I need to do this. I got to – I'll white-knuckle this and I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, boom, I – No, like when you finally give it over to the Holy Spirit, you realize, and I told the bishop this about the great things going on at St. Joe's. I'm like, there's no way I could have ever even dreamt this up. Mm. It has to be Holy Spirit led because you look at it and there's no human explanation for it. Mm -hmm. There's no priest. uh, There's no lay person who could literally dream up what's going on. Mm -hmm. But until you surrender that and go, okay, Holy Spirit, take it. Yep. And maybe that's a little bit what happened on our trip too. I agree. I, when I was tra- when I was so worried about kind of the, you know COVID and whether this was going to happen and the number of people going and all this. Well, and understandably, that was, that I mean, was, sure, huge unknowns, huge unknowns. But here it was. Like I, I realized, I I was not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead mm. that. And when we finally did, mm-hmm. when I finally did, I don't know what was going on with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> When I finally did, I assume you did too at some point. I mean, um, I was there, wasn't I? I, 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 I don't know if you gave it over to the Holy Spirit. Or oh, oh, okay. Uh, you know, but uh, it, it turned out oh, it was extraordinary. better than what we could have ever. Yeah. And and I like what you said too, connecting those those things, because like it doesn't always, God's plan, the Holy Spirit's will uh, and, and like nudgings, it doesn't always come in a package that is obvious or even attractive, you know, no. like it got down. Cause we had, um, we had, I think uh, the, the highest point of the registrations for our trip, we had over 30 people. We had way more than that reach out interested in registering. But then when they discovered about the travel restrictions and the COVID stuff, um, which I probably shouldn't even say that word for the analytics or the, the algorithms on YouTube, but, um, but when they would discover all of those like kind of restrictions and limitations, then they would ultimately not register. And it got to a point close to our, our actual mm-hmm. departure that we were down to 13 total pilgrims, including the two of us. <laughs> and so we're like, is this even worth doing? Like, what do we do? We do this, you know, because, you know, we got to be you have to be away from your family. family. I have to be away from my parish. Yeah. And it's like, do you do like I mean. For, not to say for the, the those eleven people that they weren't awesome and, and important, but you also do have to look at like yeah. okay, I'm, I'm dedicating a lot of time. So and it was it was eleven days, you know. And I mean, you had, you left your wife and kids, pregnant wife and pregnant, kids. Pregnant, well, well, the kids I, aren't pregnant. My wife, I, is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's huge. Yeah. You know, and and kudos to Alina. I think we need to give her a big round of applause because uh, Alina, like, to do that and to allow that to happen is amazing. Um, But, uh, yeah, so, you know, you look at that and then you go, man, we could go get over there, test positive for COVID and have to quarantine for the whole trip. Yep. 
or, or, or even longer. <laughs> or we could test before we had we had to test getting back into the United States. We could test and then test positive and have to stay. Yeah. You know, and I was already missing half of Advent. Uh, the parish, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I could I hope I'd get back for Christmas. You know, like, yep. I mean, and so all these things going on in our mind, like, can I, should I, what, uh, you know, is it smart? Is it, ah, you know, and all these things. And yet we didn't have one single travel issue. Yep. That's incredible. Except, except for crying kids on the flight home. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was, you know, <laughs> that was intense. Uh, yeah. But, but that, that's what uh, AirPods are for. And you kind of yeah, yeah. turn those up and you, you know, but anyway, God bless the parents who were going through that. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Poor things, you know. That was, that was a long flight. Uh, oh, 12 hours. Oh, good yeah. Lord in heaven. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Ethan, if you could pull up the picture here. So, this is us on uh, the departing flight right before we took off there. And uh, that would have been uh, Newark, Newark, yes, New Jersey. Newark. One uh, word for that photo. Yes. Adorable. Oh, aren't we? Adorable. Aren't we? I w- mean. One word for this whole episode. It, it's, <laughs> it's... <laughs> adorable. And you know what made that picture even more adorable and that experience more adorable? Tell me. Was the seat that was free in between oh, us. Oh, yes. sacred heart of Jesus. That was the most <laughs> wonderful, beautiful thing. You know, when you don't have that middle seat occupied mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, my my love handles aren't having to, you know, <laughs> spill over into somebody else's. It is so amazing. Oh, my goodness. Oh. So there's our trajectory there from Newark to Tel Aviv. Um, man, so this was a, a wild experience, um, you know. There was a point on the trip where the, you know we're, we're waking up, the sun's starting to come out, and they're serving us breakfast, and you know they're they're giving it to us, and it's like this is different. Oh, it was not your standard American breakfast. It was certainly not. It was. <laughs> it was like we were in Tel Aviv. Yeah, it was like the it, plane itself was like transported to another place. In fact, it was. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but it was super cool. I mean, once we were there, like everything, the signage, everything was like in either Arabic or Hebrew or both. Um, you know, you can see that sign there. That's in the airport uh, right after we landed. Um, it, it's just like it really was this really cool, like just a you're in another place. It's a different, different <laughs> land. Yes, very much so. Here's our, our group of pilgrims kind of like getting acquainted to the new surroundings it was neat walking around and seeing like, uh, what is this menorah? Is that what that's called? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it really is like a cultural, it, it's a different, it, a lot of it almost felt too like time travel. Like we were visiting a different era, um, as well, which was really neat. Well, cause you go over there and, and the bulk of the people are Jewish, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, again, living in the United States, we're used to predominantly a Christian, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. mainly Christian, but it's, you know, predominantly uh, Jewish, followed by the Muslims, uh, you know, and then the Christians actually make up a very small percentage of Israel and even a smaller percentage of the Holy Land, which is fascinating because Jesus was born and died Mm -hmm. and rose there. And and it's a fascinating thing that kind of has taken place. It is. Yeah. And we were very pleasantly surprised to be uh, greeted with champagne. Uh, that was a lot of fun in our in our first hotel there in Magdala. Oh. There you are. I can't even. I oh look at that. <laughs> oh, it was it was a very nice touch. It really was. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
so we we had great fun. It was great. Um, here is our our first uh, celebration of the mass. Oh, the Duke in Altum Chapel, and so that means put out into the deep. You know, right behind there is the Sea of Galilee, mm-hmm. and the Sea of Galilee was. I mean, it was so beautiful. Um, this was in uh, Magdala, uh, or as they call it, Migdal, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and so the home of Mary Magdalene, and and so you have the Sea of Galilee, literally right behind us and um and all of this is where the, the you know the episodes of uh, or all the uh the stories of Jesus and, and the, you know with the fishermen and calling of the disciples and you know the walking on the water and the you know Peter sinking and you know being pulled back up by Jesus and all these different things happened and so to have an altar like this the altar is actually the boat mm-hmm. you know and you feel like you're in that boat with our lord uh because we are because <laughs> the yeah. lord is on that uh that boat altar and um the challenge to put out into the deep, which we don't always like to do because going back to what we first talked about, yeah. that little, it's, it's a little, it's not safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Jesus was never about safe. Uh, so yeah. that was a, that was really a cool experience there in Magdala. Yeah. That was such a neat way to start the pilgrimage. And so much of, of the, uh, the gospel, the stories all kind of circulate the sea of Galilee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the things that took place uh, that it didn't necessarily explicitly say Sea of Galilee were still like right there by the Sea mm-hmm. of Galilee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, there were so many different moments of reflection uh, or like our our guide, Maher, would, would read a passage and he'd be like, and this is where that happened. And, and he'd be like, oh, well, that's awesome. Even the prayers of the mass. Oh. They would, they would bold and highlight in the, in, in the missal here in this place mm. you know like not just talking about the, you know this place but here yeah <laughs> like yeah. here where we're standing and that the first time that um that i i prayed one of those prayers i was like oh, <laughs> oh i mean that, this is the real deal and and that that i think that realization of i am here in this place that jesus was born i am here in this place where, you know, Jesus was out on the boat and called the, you know, called the first disciples. I am here in this place, you know, mm-hmm. where he uh, worked all these miracles. I am here. And mm-hmm. and I think different people, I still remember the River Jordan and, and Bev, you know, oh my got gosh. in there and it was just a hugely like impactful moment that here was where Jesus was baptized. That wasn't the thing that did it for me though, because it was kind of gross. Um, and it was, there was buggy and it was just a, you know, the river was pretty muddy and, and all that type of stuff. But for her, I mean, that struck her, mm-hmm. you know, in such a powerful way. Uh, and I was like, let's get back on the bus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that water was surprisingly gross. Oh, it was really gross. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. I was like, oh, I hope it was better for Jesus. Because <laughs> uh, that, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to quickly find that uh, clip of Bev uh, in the the river, but I'm not quickly finding it. So this was you here, here. where Jesus fed his disciples after uh, the resurrection. Uh, and yeah, this is, I love right in the, in the church next door to this, this is the church of the primacy of St. Peter. And, um, after the resurrection, you know, he said, come and have breakfast, uh, you know, and, and so inside the church is the, the Mensa Christi, uh, the table of Christ where he prepared breakfast for them. 
Jesus did all of his best things, it seems, around food, which is why I love Jesus so much. Here's the Mensa. Uh, you know, there's the Mensa Christi. So it was a rock that he prepared breakfast for um, for his uh, for his disciples. Uh, and, you know, like, isn't that great? It's one of my favorite lines of scripture is Jesus saying, come have breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, Jesus, I'll follow. Uh-huh, uh, you uh-huh. know, I, I'll be right there. This is also, though, the, the, the place on the Sea of Galilee uh, where he reaffirmed. Peter's primacy. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, then go feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, do, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do love you. You know, and three times to make up for the three times that Peter really messed it up, right? Mm-hmm. You know? yep. um, and again, that that Peter uh, had that primacy of uh, among the apostles to go and to be the first pope. Which here, uh, they're just a couple steps away from the photo we were just looking at. Uh, this is a list of all of the popes going all the way back to Peter um, because it is the location that is referred to as the primacy of Peter. So pretty awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely cool. And, you know, for me personally, the papacy is a huge part of the reason that um, that I'm Catholic because, I, you know, the authority of the papacy and the lineage, the apostolic succession, like that was just so huge for me. Um, yeah. Pretty awesome, and I uh, here's a, a couple. Uh, Rob and Katie Holer, they were they were so much fun, and um, I was tormented them by taking lots of photos of. Well, actually, I was only tormenting Rob. Katie wanted the photos. Yeah. Um, so on the Sea of Galilee, though, I, I, I mean, know. it's just like it, it was so beautiful and so peaceful. I, I'm not a morning guy, but I got my butt out of bed every morning for the sunrise. Mm. And it was one of the most peaceful things that I've ever experienced. And I was reminded uh, as I was praying morning prayer out there, the canticle of Zechariah, mm-hmm. the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And literally, as you saw, you know, as you saw that uh, sun and you just saw it breaking over all of us, like, you know, uncontrollable how the Lord was present there yes. um, and literally broke all over us, you know, couldn't be contained. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, the sunrises there were extraordinary. Oh, lovely. Absolutely yeah. lovely. Yeah. And it was cool, too, how many of the pilgrims, whether in our group or otherwise, like there was just this magnetic draw to be there for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just kind of see people from all over the world show up. There was a, a, a monk from France who walked to where we were uh, on the Sea of Galilee, the, uh, the Magdala um, Hotel. Uh, he walked there from France. Yeah, I'm not sure if he didn't realize like there's like more modern forms of transportation uh, or if this was just a penitential act. But um, yeah, there's God bless him for what he did. Yeah. Uh, So speaking of Peter, this is a church that was built over uh, the home of his mother-in-law. And so through the the floor there in the center, you you can actually see down into what their home was. and uh, here's kind of a closer up of that. But it was just so wild. Like these are all these these stories that, that kind of seem distant and, you know, did it really happen exactly like the Bible says? But then you just have all these locations that are explicitly 
uh, real. I mean, it's historical. It, it's a fact. Well, and and this is where you know some people have said, now is this really like right Siri? Like, I mean, do you really you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and like, how do we really know this is where exactly yeah. you know? And and certainly there were times that then there's some you know areas where they're like, eh, this is approximate or this is you know, and they would tell us that. But you know, here's the thing. I, I kind of look at it like a like a cemetery. You know, you know that when you bury your loved one there that is a special spot like that mm-hmm. is i mean your part of your heart and soul is there you know with that person and we put a marker over it and we honor it with you know a wreath or with flowers or you know by caring for the grave and we and it becomes a special spot and so then you know that that's the spot and you always you know and all these special things that happen in life we remember we remember for instance typically where we were at when 9-11 happened Mm-hmm. I can tell you where I was at. I was in college. I was in my living room. I you know, I remember like who I was with. I remember. So when these big things happened in Jesus's life and his followers experienced this with him, obviously those spots became hallowed ground, mm-hmm. hallowed, you know? And so again, and they, they would tell their kids and their grandkids and all these people about it because this is where Jesus was born. This is where he died. This is where he did this miracle. And so as they're doing all that, obviously they revered that spot. And then they began to build monuments on it to mm-hmm. protect that. And then churches around those monuments. And even when the churches were destroyed by various people, th- that that spot still was there. And then they built another church. And then they, it, and there it was. And it still draws people back today. Yeah. And if it wasn't real, you know, this is what, look at the, the Catholic church, you know, like if this wasn't, instituted by christ it would have failed yeah a long time ago yeah because of humans and they've certainly tried oh it still sometimes still do yeah we know that all too painfully well because of the failings of in our church but over there too you know you if it wasn't something that was true and special you can only live a lie for so long Mm -hmm. you know um and then it, it fades yeah. And uh, so again, you just, you, you, yeah. You, you well, know. and so many of the people there are, you know, their their lineage goes back to the people that were there then. Sure. You know, and so you're really, you're talking about, for us, it can seem so questionable because we're so separated from it. But these are the people whose ancestors preserved these people themselves continue to preserve these locations, but their ancestors preserved them and their ancestors preserved them. And like, there's, you know, I found, I found it is uh, interesting. Rob and I were looking uh, at some information about how Israel itself identifies which locations in their mind are legitimately what it is claimed. Um, And most of them are. Uh, if if not all, with the exception of one that's owned by some Baptist guy that's is, you know kind of uh, trying to pretend to be the na- uh, the nativity, but it's not the nativity of the Lord, uh, which we were at the actual nativity, um, which is a perfect segue into mm. the Catholic weird stuff segment. Ooh, Let's hit it. Catholic, Catholic weird stuff. stuff. Why do they do the things that they do? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Catholic Weird Stuff segment featuring the one and only, the handsome, Father Eric Schild. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about the Nativity of the Lord. 
um, and specifically a part of the nativity that you found to be noteworthy and worth discussing. And so we will note it and discuss it. Well, that would make sense. <laughs> T- talk to us, Father. What are, what are we looking at here on the nativity? So, you know, we get to the nativity of our Lord, and that was something that really struck me. I was like, wow, you know, here. Like, that really moved me. That brought me to tears. Um, it's like you're in front of, like, your own, like, real nativity scene. Like, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, here we are, you know, at the nativity of the Lord. And down there is the spot where the Lord was born. And you're like, wow. And you can reverence that. And you can go up there and you can touch it. And you can kiss it. And you can, you know, and, and, and it's so powerful. And I get up close and there is a 14-point star around the around the spot you can kind of see that and so there's 14 points to that silver star and i thought well what's up with that and i even counted i was like what's going on with with the 14 points you know this isn't your typical you know this the star over you know the 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 shepherds followed or the, the whatever right and so in doing a little research 14 points stood for the three sets of 14 generations that preceded Jesus's birth. Wow. And so this lineage uh, that Jesus came from, again, and you know that the genealogy reading, the, 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 the famous genealogy reading that every time it comes up, you know, you're like, Ooh, buckle up mm-hmm. because this is going to be a long one. And that's the beginning of Matthew, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, who and Zerubbabel and Muhammad, blah, 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 <laughs> yeah. and you're, you know, and it's, I mean, and God the, blessed and, all of them, and God bless all of them, and and there was even in that, I mean, there was prostitutes. I mean, you know, you, I mean, you had, you know, if you look, I mean, there there was people who were a little shady mm-hmm. in that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was people who committed big sins in Jesus's lineage, which should make us feel good. <laughs> Wait, well, no, are you calling me a prostitute? I... <laughs> <laughs> so your prostitute days, Nick, uh, yeah, they can even be redeemed, you know? Oh, dear. Oh, Lord in heaven. But, you know, this is, I mean, but you see that Jesus came from a very human mm-hmm. lineage. Um, and so for us too, you know, and we we know our families aren't perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, again, we're reminded how Christ came in the midst of this all uh, to sanctify us, uh, to make us holy, to redeem us, yeah. uh, you know, and he came in the midst of our mess. Right. Even in the midst of lineage that a little sorted at times and a little not <laughs> yeah yeah not not so you know maybe uh not so good mm-hmm. uh and so yeah so four so three sets of 14 generations mm-hmm. um that, that preceded our lord and and just shows how he came from that yeah uh, i love human that and yet obviously divine mm-hmm. origin you know yeah and and to me it's like he's not afraid to be a, a part of us despite whatever's behind us and that's powerful because how often does our past get us down? Yeah, and I deal with that all the time in the confessional. Mm-hmm. You know, we deal with that just just humanly as as, as individuals. We think back and go, "Man, why yeah. did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. I I knew better." You know, and all this stuff, and it can really occupy a lot of our heart and mind and and um, and soul. Yeah, and, and and Jesus is like, okay, and that's the beauty of the sacrament of reconciliation. Yeah, Jesus says, okay, that is forgiven. Mm-hmm. But the hardest part about reconciliation i find is not typically trusting that god has forgiven us we get it god can do whatever god needs to do right it's it's can we forgive ourselves yeah yeah and it's really hard for a lot of people it's like man i trust that god's forgiven me but 
Mm-hmm. Can I actually forgive myself? And uh, I think that's something that a lot of us have to work on yeah. in the midst of it all. That's the next step um, mm-hmm. because God doesn't want us to be, you know, in the straight jacket of, of our past sin mm. uh, or our current sin. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want that. Yes. He wants us to have freedom. Yeah. And he, and he pierces the veil of this universe, the reality, uh, and, and he comes into this universe in that lineage, and I love that in the photo, Ethan. If you could pull it back up again, that it's like you're like you're pointing out here that it's that they didn't just put this imagery or this meaning somewhere in this church or something. They put it in the spot that he came into this world. Uh, like that's powerful. Mm. Now, you know, I'm always a huge advocate of referring to the conception of a person as being when they came into this world. So technically that would have been at the Annunciation, but but like he took his first breaths right there. And that is where they're calling attention to that lineage that he comes from. Um, and that's where he pierced the veil, so to speak. And and so just, just super powerful. Um, and again, the opportunity for us to essentially, and this happened organically, uh, that we kind of recreated our own nativity scene uh, revering uh, the the Christ child's birthplace, uh, so just just super powerful experience. Um, I'd like to think that I was one of the wise men. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Joseph on that one actually, <laughs> since that's your parish and all. Uh, and and here uh, this is the location where his uh, manger would have been, which is not the. Uh, wooden feeding trough that we've always been told it was fascinating yeah and it's not like it wasn't in a wooden stable uh right (laughs) you know it was literally a cave he would have been in a cave and and the uh the 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 manger itself the creche uh would have been like a like a stone like a feeding trough uh that they would have put some hay in to make it a little bit more comfortable because it was literally a stone trough mm-hmm. um so you want to talk about you know jesus coming into the midst of mess i mean this is in a cave that would have been smoky because they would have been trying to um you know, heat it up with with fire you know there were, there was animals sort of been a cave like this you yeah. know so this is the shepherd's cave which was shown to us right before we went to the nativity uh so this is where the shepherds would have been that uh were approached by the angels um this was their cave and there's a, a church built on the hill that this cave is in. Uh, but, you know, you look at this image and there's artificial lighting. There's a mosaic floor. There's an artificial wall built from brick. There's doors and windows. None of that would have been in place. Uh, no. You know, it would have been damp, cold, gross, smelly. Uh, smelly. And and that is essentially the vibe. So take away all the artificial lighting, the wall, the floor, uh, and and that was what the nativity would have been like. That's where our savior was. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, coming into this world in our mess, mm-hmm. unafraid of of doing that. So so beautiful. Um, yeah. So that's your Catholic weird stuff segment for today. Jesus does not care what you've done, where you come from. He just wants to be in your life, and that is represented uh, by this. There you go. All right. So weird, weird indeed. Weird indeed. <laughs> Jesus has prostitute ancestors. <laughs> you heard it first here, folks. Um, 
All right. So, Father, what what to you, because uh, this was both for both of us, our first time going there. What to you was the most unexpected thing that that you experienced or that took place in, in our time there? Yeah. You know, I think probably the most unexpected thing, uh, a couple, probably a few, a few possibilities with this for me. Um, one was how moving um, Gethsemane was. Mm. Gethsemane was exactly how I pictured it. Um, it was, um, you almost got the sense that you were there with the Lord in his agony. Um, being able to actually prostrate ourselves on the on the stone where he uh, sweated blood um, out of in, in agony of what he was about to go through, um, you almost I almost felt like he like I was like I, w- I was in agony with yeah. him. Ethan, could you show the you photo know? here? Yeah, so that's you there on the stone. Uh, powerful. So we had mass right behind that stone, and and the garden is right outside, and the church is purposefully like has darker windows, and, and you just sense the darkness. And I and I think it was so powerful because, again, we know that we go through so much darkness in our own lives, and to know that like Christ gets it, mm-hmm. he gets the darkness, mm-hmm. he understands it, he experienced it, he experienced it. Um, and he's there with us when we're in the midst of our own darkness. Um, yeah. So that was um, that was just one of those kind of unexpected, like, if I was going to say one of the most powerful points was going to be the Garden of Gethsemane, I pro- I, that probably was not what I was going to tell you right. um, going into it. Um, you know, I think the other unexpected moment, we had some beautiful moments with the people there. Yes. You know, and so when we think about pilgrimages or trips overseas, it's kind of like, okay, we go over there and we see all the you know, the, the hot spots and then we get out. Um, Select was very good in helping us to experience the Christians in the Holy Land um, and to see what they're going through. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are going through some really tough times. And we were blessed in that, uh, you know, we... We, there's hardly anyone over there. They say usually there's a hundred tour buses and there was five or ten when we were there. Yeah, at most. so we had, we had like we had the place to ourselves. We had all these places, but the the people in the Holy Land rely on tourism to feed their kids. Mm-hmm. So we got to go to you know the houses of some Christians for dinner, and they're really hurting. Yeah, um, not only just because of lack of tourism, but because of many different situations uh, over in the Holy Land and. And so to really kind of connect with um, our tour guide, Maher, or our bus driver, Mahdi, or the uh, the Christians in the Holy Land, I mean, those were powerful moments. They were. Where it really put kind of a – we say, I'm going to the Holy Land. Well, there's people who live in the Holy Land. Yep. Uh, and This is the family that I visited with uh, along with a few of our pilgrims. Um, yeah, that was – it was so I, – I, I agree with you. Like I didn't expect – I didn't know what to expect from that evening uh, where we kind of all went into different homes and had dinner with the families there. Uh, with We went into the homes with permission. We didn't just go into different homes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they invited us in. Get into the refrigerator. Hey, we're, in, you know, we're here for some. Yeah. <laughs> no, but what a beautiful family. Um, and they were just so loving and excited to have us there. And it was really really powerful. You know, the, their young son uh, sang for, for us and um, yeah, it was it was neat. It was m- very moving because they're struggling, uh, and you know, and they just, despite their struggle, are so uh, giving of themselves and of of anything that they have. Um, the mom found out that it was my birthday that day, and she got all upset that nobody had told her, and she went off and scurried around the house looking for a candle to to. 
um, you know, put into the cookie that she had given me so that they could sing happy birthday to me in Arabic and in English. Um, And it was just like, you know, they just want to love people. It's it's really awesome. Or we went to this orphanage. um, And this orphanage right here, you can see the picture. Man, uh, run by uh, an order of sisters. And and this is for um, people who have uh, severe, in many ways, disabilities. And their families kind of abandoned them. Yeah. These sisters have uh, taken, I think, 37 into yeah. their care. And the love that is there, you know. And so we brought this stuff called Thicket uh, that uh, thickens up some of the liquid so that they don't choke and aspirate on, on mm-hmm. the, the stuff um, because we can get it much less expensive than what they can get it over there. And so uh, we got to visit with, with these um, you know, kids and adults. They've, you know, Some of them just remain there. And uh, to see the love with which those sisters treated um, these kids was very touching, yeah. very moving, and, 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 and very much living out what Christ intended us to do. I mean, mm-hmm. You're talking about discipleship. Mm-hmm. That's a nice word. But when you find that you have kids who need cared for, and, yeah. and that's when the rubber meets the road. What do you yeah. do? Do you just say, well, somebody's going to do that. I'll, you know. Well, and very explicitly, this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning again, because this is not what these sisters signed up for. They, uh, so I think a couple of them are from Argentina. Um, and I don't know where a couple of the others are from. There's only four of them. Uh, that are running this show with 37, 36, whatever orphans, uh, all with special needs, four little sisters. Uh, It's absolutely amazing. But they didn't go to Israel to do this. Mm -hmm. They went there, uh, specifically in Bethlehem, to just help at the local hospital. They just went there to serve in the hospital. And then uh, a family abandoned uh, a special needs baby, and the hospital said, could you please take care of this baby? And the nuns were like, uh, I, I guess. <laughs> and then the next day, they were given another kid at the same hospital. And then the next day, and like day after day, they just kept being given these kids that were undesired, unloved, unwanted. And just organically, the Holy Spirit put them there to receive and love these orphans. And they had no idea that that was coming. And again, it's not what they would have asked for explicitly. It's not what they thought they were signing up for. It's not what they were looking for, but the Holy Spirit had a plan. And they are now the the face of the Father's love. Yes. To all to these 37 orphans. And it, it's beautiful. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was heartwarming. It was touching. It was you know, exactly what Christ is, is wants us to do and, and yeah. commands us to do. Yeah. Love one another as I've loved you. Yeah. And so this is actually one of the organizations, this orphanage, uh, that uh, Select to Give, which is the uh, charitable foundation for Select International Tours, who sponsored this episode. Select to Give supports this orphanage as well as an autism uh, clinic as well as the specific uh, individual Christian families there in the Holy Land. And so uh, it's all kind of tied in. It's all integrated and, and it's all connected. Um, very, very powerful. Here, Oh, I just stumbled upon the, the video of Bev uh, going into the water. Uh, very emotional. She just, as soon as her feet touched the water, she just started weeping. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I, I thank you for sharing that. Um, and I, I feel like for me, um, 
actually I was very caught off guard by one thing, uh, and that was the the Wailing Wall. Hmm. I did not expect that to matter to me at all. Uh, not that I w- have any ill will towards it or, or negative feelings about it. I just, you know, I've seen pictures and videos of people at it before, whether it was popes or or just you know uh, the the Jewish people, and I just never had any clue why I personally should have any particular concern for it or interest in it. Mm-hmm. And that continued, that persisted until the very moment I was there and I still felt that way. And then the moment that my hand got put on the wall, um, I just felt this flood of like the Holy Spirit came over me and like I, it was just a very overwhelming experience and I just got uh, filled with this sense of the bigness uh, of God. And it, it became a really unexpectedly powerful moment. Um, and I actually have a, a picture I'm trying to get to here of... So here's you at the Wailing Wall, uh, Father Eric. And then picture of me there. So we actually had to wear hats. And if we didn't have a hat, they had these free little yarmulkes for us. I happened to have the hat. So yeah, that moment when I put my hand on the wall, I, I didn't, I don't even explicitly know why, but I just know that the moment my hand touched the wall, I was just overcome, uh, with emotion and this awareness of the bigness of God. And it was, it was intense. Well, and that that is the the remaining or the remnant of the, the, the kind of the last wall of the temple from uh, seventy, right? Yeah. Seventy A.D. You know when it was destroyed. That's the the remaining wall of that. And so you just think of the uh, just think of the experiences. If that wall could talk, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know yeah. what that wall uh, would say or has seen. And and I think by going up to that, I mean you just you become part of those experiences mm. good and bad yeah. you know and um, that's so true but it it would have it would have witnessed everything mm-hmm. <laughs> so and here's a uh, you uh, jerry jerry yeah. with your yarmulkes little yarmulkes so yeah. cute i know it's, it's hard to keep those on especially if you don't have any hair for it to you know mm-hmm. yeah it's just unfortunate yeah yeah and i think the uh the holy sepulcher too that was so powerful the mass that was celebrated in the tomb of the Lord. Oh my gosh. You can't, you can't make that up. No. I mean, you know, like we're in the Lord's tomb mm-hmm. in his tomb. Here's um, a, a shot of that. So that is inside the tomb, very small space. All 13 of us got in there and we worshiped and we prayed and we encountered the living God in the scriptures and the Eucharist. And what's fascinating is with the, the church of the Holy Sepulcher, all the rules that are in place because Christians have been fighting over this uh, place. Uh, Christian priests have been fighting over this for years, right? And so you got the Greeks and you got the Armenians and you got the Roman Catholics and you got all these different groups that want control Mm -hmm. over naturally uh, this building that contains Calvary, that contains uh, the, the tomb of our Lord, all this. And so they, they fought, and so there is this big thing, an agreement back in, I think it was the 1700s or something, called the status quo. Mm-hmm. And so the government kind of said, this day we're going to, we're making the status quo. You're all going to just, this is, we're all going to get along, kids, mm-hmm. which that hasn't always happened. <laughs> yeah. But everything has to remain as is since the status quo. 
And so that day, that time uh, of mass, that mass was being had, they didn't sing during that 6 a.m. mass that we had. So guess what? We're not allowed to sing during the 6 a.m. mass because back in 1700s, that's or so interesting. Is, you know, uh, this when the status quo happened, when that agreement was signed, uh, you couldn't do that. It's mm -hmm. the same with there's a ladder on the one of the outside windows that has not. I mean, that you can't move it because because that's what was up there when, and so they're worried that if somebody moved it. All you know what would break loose. Um, oh man! And you know, here's the other fun fact. This is also this could be a weird Catholic se segment. Um, the people who hold the key to the Holy Sepulcher Church, the people who hold the key, who lock up and open up the church every single day, the Muslims, the Muslims, because so crazy. the Christians can't get along. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, but it's, it's also, true. But it's a little funny too. You're like, oh yeah. my gosh, really? So seriously? Uh, and so you know, there's it doesn't sound real, but it's real. It's very real. And they they all each of these groups of of priests live in the 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 church of the Holy Sepulchre because if one of them would leave, the other would just try to take over their spot. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you know, you just can't even make that up. So you know, I think in this video we have a shot of that happening where the Muslim is locking the door at night uh, and then feeding the ladder through the door. Uh, I think I was wrong. This is not that video. Just kidding. That is definitely not that <laughs> Well, here's a picture. Oh, there's them. Yeah. Uh, and that's and the ladder I, I was talking about is up above, kind of in the. If you look at kind of in the windows up there mm -hmm. above the doorway, it's in the. I think the second, uh, this to the right there. Yeah. Um, and you can see the the ladder and and don't move it. Mm -hmm. Don't move it. Yeah. Here's a maybe a little bit of a better shot. So that door there on the left, there's a hole in the door about halfway up it, and they feed, uh, this ladder that the muslim guy uses to lock the door because he has to climb up this ladder to lock the door and then he feeds the ladder through the door different ladder than the one that correct yes uh and then they feed that ladder back out the door in the morning so essentially the way that the system works is if when the door closes and locks uh if you're in the holy sepulcher you are in the holy sepulcher all night yep until they unlock that door in the morning it's pretty wild. And some people do that on purpose. Yeah. You can spend the night in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And so like yeah, the Franciscans or the Catholic priests that run this or that are associated with this. And so they can have X amount of pilgrims uh, spend the night there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there are bathrooms and things like that. But um, you're not allowed to sleep. That's my understanding. You're, you're supposed to be supposed to stay awake during this and and, and things like that. But yeah. uh, maybe next time, Nick. <laughs> Maybe next. <laughs> so this is actually the spot of the crucifixion, Golgotha, um, Calvary. This is this is where he was crucified. And there's a um, kind of similar to the nativity of the Lord. There's a hole in the ground um, that you can reach your hand into and touch the stone where the crucifixion happened. Um, and it's pretty wild. Um, what really blew me away, too, connected to that is... They also have uh, this structure in the Holy Sepulchre that kind of looks like a, a baptistry um, that essentially represents where Mary would have stood throughout the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I was very surprised by the distance because we always kind of portray her as like literally at the foot of the cross. And it is very much literally not that. Um, so this is from, uh, I'm trying to find a better angle. This is about halfway from the side of the crucifixion. And then you, if you look and you see that little baptistry looking area, what would you call that? Like, like a, a baldacchino type yeah. of thing. Um, in the corner there, that is where Mary would have stood. Uh, so that's about halfway there, that distance. Um, and I know I have a shot from her spot. But yeah, just the whole, you know, what this is uh, instructive of is like, contextually, we only see so much of the picture when we read the Gospels. Now, reading the Gospels, absolutely vital, absolutely valuable. Uh, but being there and being explained like how it all played out where things happened completely gives you this totally fuller picture of of the way that that those moments would have felt the way that they actually played out what even in some cases what some of the actual meaning was behind certain moments um you know like uh the eye of the needle right like when we passed through an eye of the needle and we were like, oh, that's an eye of the needle. And the guy explained like, uh, well, why don't you explain this? Oh, well, that was the, the they had like different size doors. They, yeah. they have like the big door, but you didn't just like open the door. It, was, it wasn't just easy enough to just like open up that door. It was a big deal. So they had these like smaller doors. In you know? the big door. In the big door. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you had the camel. You know, so if you talked about the camel, the camel also couldn't step over the, like, the... <laughs> right. So, like, there was no way that the camel could get through the smaller door within the door uh, in any sort of way, right. you know? And so, like, you know, that whole sense of trying to get in there was not going to happen, yeah. you know? And uh, uh, so, again, you kind of... And it's so true, like, people told me this, Nick, before I, I, I went. They said, you will never... Read or hear sacred scripture the same ever again. Mm. And that is 100% true. Because yeah. now, as, just I've, as we've been back for a month um, and I've read the scriptures, I'm like, wow. And your mind goes there to the Sea of Galilee. Your mind goes there, you know, to, to where Mary stood. Your mind goes there to, you know, the tomb. Your And it's like, wow, that's, that's powerful. It really, really was. Um, and there, there's so much. Uh, we're going to be publishing uh, a recap video that will uh, do a good job of kind of displaying all of the things. Like there's way too much for us to talk about everything. But I, I know that I will never uh, be the same after that experience. And and even seeing some of these pictures and videos. And when you watch the recap video, you might think to yourself, "Oh, you know, I've seen it now." No, you, you really got to be there. You really got to go. Um, and I can't emphasize enough the the value that this has had for me personally. And then also, uh, you know, we had this really great sharing time at the end of the pilgrimage. We sat in a circle in this little chapel. Um, yeah. And the the stories, the, the testimony that, that so many of the pilgrims shared, not a single person left there unchanged in some yeah. way. Yep. Everyone there had an experience that they either anticipated or didn't anticipate, mm -hmm. many of them. Um, and... It was different for everyone. Yep. But we all had the same experience, but it was received and, and transformative in totally unique ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can't encourage you enough uh, the next time we run one of these to, to come with us 
um, and, and to bring whoever you can bring with you um, because it really is uh, a, a huge milestone in my own faith journey. Uh, I 100% concur. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been to Rome, I think, 12 times or something leading pilgrimages, and that's kind of been my thing. Um, this became, a, this was a whole new thing. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, no, your thing needs to be much different. I, and I, I'm all for going to Rome and I, I, I love that. And I think, and I think Rome is a logical follow up mm-hmm. to the Holy land. Um, but you almost, you need to go to the Holy land because that's where it started. Yeah. You know? And so you can't have Rome without the Holy land. <laughs> like you, Rome, everything that happened in Rome stems from what happened in the Holy Land. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so I've really become very convinced that if you're able to make this pilgrimage to uh, the Holy Land, you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To. And that's us there at the end of the trip. Um, and just all smiles. I mean, we were, it was, it's it was. Joppa. Yeah, in, in Joppa. Yeah. Uh, and we were exhausted, but we were also just all smiles. Uh, we had an incredible time. Uh, so. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and there's our our uh, Muslim bus driver, <laughs> Mahdi. Mahdi, uh over to the right. He's two two guys from the right there. Um, he was absolutely hilarious. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, he was great. And then Maher is the guy next to him. All the all the way at the end, Maher was a joy, just a gem of a our person. Our tour guide, uh, yeah. a Malkite Catholic mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Palestinian Catholic, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, just fantastic. Uh, great to get to know those guys and yeah. journey with them. Father Eric, thank you for uh, coming with us on this pilgrimage, and and uh, thank you for the invite. Oh yeah, man, and and for being here on the episode on the fiftieth episode. Man, yeah, fifty. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get pumped through these episodes faster just to get you back in here. Yes, amen to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I expect to be on every milestone episode. Okay. <laughs> I'll be really ticked. We'll have to make that happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, ladies and gentlemen, once again, this episode has been sponsored by Select International Tours, who we partnered with for this pilgrimage. Uh, absolutely a great organization. We love working with them. Uh, and so make sure to visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken to learn more. Um, and then uh, if you want to support this show and the work that we're doing here, make sure to visit theawakencatholicshow.com and you can join the patron community, Community of Saints, with a lowercase s because we're still working on it. All right. Amen. I have been Nick. This has been Father Eric. Yes. And uh, this has been the Awakened Catholic Show. Before you go, I just need you to know that Jesus loves you. Peace. <laughs>